0: It is Drake with Everything Culture.
1: And she from she gets a pod.
0: And we're back with our series on the, uh, oh, hold on, things they don't want to talk about. Is that right? <laughs> the
1: talks they don't want to have.
0: There it is right there. Yay. And we're going to get right into it. We're going to be just discussing this morning, this afternoon, this evening, about growing up black. Mm. so wherever this conversation may go get ready you know and it's going to be a progressive conversation can you know why it's us we're here together so everybody sit around listen watch and let's share some intimate stories and experiences that shan and myself has had in our childhood and our different you know uh, spectrum of being black in america so shan i gotta ask you When did you first realize you were Black?
1: Ooh. I will say I was in the second grade Mm -hmm. in Philly and we had a field trip. Um, We had a field trip to go to the Y for that month. And um, that was the first time I've ever been to a pool. And we were learning how to swim. and
0: I like this. You know what I'm saying? Well, maybe. Um, maybe. I'm going to keep waiting. To see.
1: My, um, I was like, okay. I need a swimsuit, mom. And my mom was Jamaican. She was like, okay. And you need a swim cap. Why well, do I need a swim cap? Let me just go in the pool. Everybody else. The boys don't wear a swim cap. You need a swim cap for your hair. So your hair doesn't get wet. And my mom, my hair was always my mom's second daughter. It was like, I'm her first daughter. And my hair was my mom's second daughter. Um, it's, a, it's a thing of Black people, Black women taking real pride in their daughter's hair and long hair, long hair to a lot of um, Black households is like uh, healthy wealth, Um Well we're gonna be talking about it more. You know, good background, all of that. And so she was really into like make sure you put on your swim cap, make sure it's tight, make sure it. And um, I remember swimming and the instructor, I think the instructor was um white or biracial and being surprised at how well I caught on compared to other students and feel like what was said to me was very like cusp racism but it wasn't like mean it was like was
0: it a you... microaggression
1: okay it was like basically you some good for a black kid you know what i'm was saying
0: that, Was that said verbatim or that was probably
1: wasn't verbatim but i remember feeling like singled out like what I did well was special because of my skin. Mm. I remember feeling like that. And um, because my mom and my dad didn't discuss race in the house, Mm. it wasn't seen or held like a big deal. Like I'm gonna call such and such tomorrow because of X, Y, and Z, it was just like, oh, okay. But growing up later on when I was like 11 or 12, the way I would hear my dad who was Jamaican, born and raised in Jamaica, but lived in Philadelphia, talk about seeing Black young teenagers on the street with their pants hanging off their pants. You would think he was a white man in the South, the way he talked about Black bodies in the streets of Philadelphia. Mm. But because my dad was also born in 1923, the life that he has lived... And seeing how Black people are treated that dress and care themselves a certain way compared to the young people of that time, he may think, like, this is improper. This is proper. This is the right way. This is the wrong way. It is he okay for me to.
0: Those European standards. Yes. Those white he... American standards.
1: Yes, because he saw it as being better. Um, and that's what you should be. And if you're anything less, you're nothing. Or you should be, it's okay for me to talk to you or treat you like this. And so um, that's the first time I felt Black as a child, um, was at the YMCA. um, And then growing up, seeing the differences in how certain Black people looking a certain way, dressing a certain way, would treat each other depending on what they interpreted from how they looked.
0: What was yours? So you would love me to go in. How did your <laughs> father treat white people? <laughs> it was white as right? That but so crazy that you is I never
1: I never seen my dad um,
0: engage with white people. Engage
1: with white people. You know, mm-hmm. he owned a business. Uh the people he rented his properties to were not white. Um, the people that came in his barber shop were not white. Uh, the people he played lottery with were not white. So I don't know.
0: That's that we're gonna to have to touch on. We're gonna to have to put a pin in that mm-hmm.
1: treatment
0: of um, black people, American black people, even though Jamaican black people or people that that you know how they treated American descendants of slavery. You know, even though they are Caribbean or you know still part of translated um, yeah. slave trade, it's just how we treat one another. Um, right. But my experience, oh my god, when I first realized that I was black or I was different um was from uh, my grandfather before I went off to I think the first grade I don't think <laughs> kindergarten but I definitely the first grade um
1: your grandfather on your mom's side or your dad's side
0: my mother's side so when I was like four years old I remember I just remember the ride I remember we were going into the live, live with little grandparents I thought it was like a trip you know mm-hmm. and basically my parents were getting divorced and you know it was whatever you know mm-hmm. um but my so I was raised by my mother my grandmother my grandfather and my uncle he stayed you know here and there you know we had like a nice piece of property in these Texas I would say that you know my mm-hmm. grandfather he moved dirt um, contractor, so you know, hard working grandmother in the church, missionary, did scars, <laughs> handkerchiefs, and she was a nurse. So, but for me, oh man, yeah, I was young, and I remember them sitting me down. My grandfather sitting me down and giving me the talk, like, hey, you can't bring in your white friends over here, you know, and you know blatantly like, like that. Blatantly, straight up. And I was like, <laughs> Me, young. He was like, Because. It's not, you, you can't be friends with them. You can't do that. It's just, we don't need you know, that type of dangers in our household. Mm-hmm. Like, we come, once again, I'm from Tyler, Texas. Tyler, Texas was probably a sun, like, damn near a sundown downtown, okay? Okay, like, So, racism was always discussed in our household. We was very pro-Black, you know, mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali, James Brown, like, all these different folks that was, like, fight the power. Like, it was support you Black and you're proud okay Mm -hmm. my grandfather and my grandmother both were born in 1918 so Mm -hmm. and they saw a lot of stuff so me like when I went to my head start that was predominantly black it was all black kids there first grade kindergarten it was you know a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. first grade you know I went to a predominantly black um but for whatever reason my grandfather made sure to have that conversation with me. It was like, "Hey, you." He, I guess he can tell I'm friendly, and thing I wasn't even thinking about girls. He like he can't bring no black, white, white girls in this household, mm-hmm. and he wasn't trying to be racist. I know at that time, I was like, I didn't know any better, but he's like, "They will kill you, little black boy. You can't do." And I'm gonna say, you can't even do what your friends are doing out there. You know, if they outside, they throw a ball, and they if a ball lands in another person's yard. And especially you don't know that person, don't go in that yard. They will kill you. So it wasn't the... I never
1: got that from anybody.
0: Man, oh, I got that very early on. So when I see the stuff still happening to this day, like with T- Tamir Rice or um, Trayvon Martin, it doesn't come to a surprise to me because my grandfather said it would happen. And, you know, those preventative conversations, it's like, are they still needed? I absolutely say yes. Me too. Um, until we start seeing a significant change. But he also taught me to fight, too. Mm-hmm. They call you the, the N-word or something like that, or you come and tell us, or you you lay them hands mm-hmm. down, you know? But it, it was kind of sad, because you want to live in a world. Like, I know I would love to live in a world where everything's great, everybody's getting along, and yeah, mm-hmm. high fives, rainbows, and Sundays, and all that good stuff. But it I appreciate him taking the time because he loved me mm. and to communicate that to me rather than me just going out in the world and experiencing and happening and I'm coming back like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, and it wasn't like I told you. It's like, come here, we got you. You know, What's no so crazy
1: for me? Now I understand why my dad was like, no, all right. You ain't got no friends. I'm your only friend. And you know, my mom would be so like, trusting and gullible with people and chances upon chances upon chances and my mm-hmm. dad was like uh you know she asked can can all go to the end of the street and go study with the girl in her class what girl the girl from her class no it's her friend from school she ain't got no friends i'm her friend mm-hmm. i understand why as a parent he would say something like that because now fast forward anya she's nine she, you know, I'm working at the desk on Friday. Well, uh, what's her name? Um, Toya will come in two weeks to play with me um, after school. I said, Who's Toya? A girl from my class. Ain't nobody coming over here. I didn't invite anybody. She's not coming over here. She'll be in the yard. No, you know um why well what what age can I sleep over somebody's house I said yeah, I don't have an age to give you that you can sleep over someone's house so I said there are things that happen when you go to people's houses when you don't really know them that will shape you for the rest of your life I can't tell you when and so like discussions like that I understand where my dad was coming from yeah um but the difference between my dad and me there was no discussion about his why i give my kids a discussion about my why
0: um and that's why i value my grandfather talking to me it was he don't get me wrong he didn't yeah. say too much he was like hey you know uh, oh he, he was very country he had like a third if i will maybe sixth grade education so he was very short on his words said, you know yeah. but it it was like okay you know i love my grandfather he was my best friend and Mm -hmm. later on like first time i had my experience i went to a predominantly white school in the second maybe second grade or second second grade you know my Mm -hmm. mother prepped me and i talked and the teachers were the first ones that like you're a little black boy it was like the principals Mm -hmm. you're a little black boy i started hearing it all over when i started going to predominantly White schools, you know, mm-hmm. when I went to the black, predominantly black, elementaries, you they were just it. pro-black and historically, you know, yeah, you know, get wrong, you hear a little, you know, nothing, but you see the, you feel the difference.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, why did this kid get treated better and to get more attention? Why did, why did we both do the same thing and I get longer time out than they get time out? Mm-hmm. Like, why do they get to eat this type of food and you're listening to them and you're more I hear you're more gentle to them but Mm -hmm. you're more harsh on me and the people who look like me. Like, Keisha, like, you know, Becky spit on Keisha. Mm -hmm. Keisha tried to come and tell you, Keisha pushed it. Why nothing happened to Becky? Because Becky Mm -hmm. initiated it and we all saw it. Mm. Like, those microaggressions that I saw that my grandparents, like, well and my mother too would tell me about like why didn't you know what, what was learning those other households? I started to think, you know, and older I became, you know, I became close with like some of my Caucasian faculty and they had kids and I become friends with them and I remember I was real close to my, what was it, my sixth grade, seventh grade nurse? Like, very mm. close to my mother would take her, we'll go over to their house and all that. My mother. She's black? Went, no, she was white. Mm. Oh, I want to have son do. Her son had that before Eminem came out. He had a martial Mathers attitude. He was like, the Dr. Babe, pew pew, <laughs> school type behavior. I remember him. He was always angry about something. He was a little like a year younger or so. But, I would consider it a good kid. I would like to teach his pet, straight A student, um, little fat kid that just want to make people smile and, you know, yeah. didn't mind adults. But at the same time, like, I realized, you know, it was, a like, like on the school bus, you know, I rode with a black, predominantly black school bus. And, like, I saw kids get left and I even saw how the black people would treat the white students. You know, they were very much more patient and kind mm. to them i didn't see that and that's and that's why i know when you and i and baylor baylor talking to baylor shout out to btg for president ronald um mm. he, he said some things that i'm like man he said i never spent i don't know how that do And like me coming from once again we talking about the spectrum now the way i was raised and come from i'm like yeah you got to respect it to check it like that's the reason i don't live in my hometown because I, but I, and I realized now it was that when I got to high school, I saw a lot of t- the black teachers didn't play that from the white kids, but would be more, hey, the young black boy. And I think the other teachers was trying to prepare us for that harshness and was like, you can't do that. Cause like my grandpa, like, cause you have something that is harder on us. Cause they know if they're not hard on us and mm-hmm. check it quickly. If it gets up, they're going to try to expel us. They're going to try to suspend for long periods of time, Correct. whatever the case may be. Juvenile detention. I saw a lot of that. Um, I saw a lot of, like, just growing up Black and total. Like, once again, I went to different schools. I saw the the difference yeah. in education. Like, the teachers, for the most part, in the, my Black schools cared more about me, you know? Mm. I would say that they cared more crazy,
1: about, you know. Uh, okay, right here. Mm-hmm. So when I went to elementary school in Philadelphia, we went to Herdy Elementary, and Good they had a pro. They had a program called the African Village, mm. and the African Village program was consisted of second grade, third grade, and fourth grade. And the way that the school was set up, the classes had no walls. So you can see through the first grade room, I mean the second grade room, the third grade room, and then the fourth grade room. And we would all have lunch together in a Mm -hmm. room. It would be mixed ages. And then we would all have like, if, if, if it was like a class project, everybody would see Second grade's class project. Everybody would see fourth grade's project. Everybody would see third grade's project. If it came to discipline, you were disciplined separate from the other school rooms and classrooms for that program. You you could be hit with a ruler from that teacher. The whole school wasn't treated like that, only in that program. And I was in it for second grade, third grade, um, not fourth grade because we ended up moving before then, but the teachers themselves were African and they taught us about Kwanzaa and they taught us about um, what it stood for. And we our, our projects were on black inventors. Our um, teachings were numbers but also finding a way to incorporate a teaching from the African culture mm-hmm. in it. The foods that we would bring in when we would have foods was of that. Um, making food in class was a thing, uh, but the way that they discipline as a child masked the why on why they're doing it a certain way for me. So I didn't feel like those teachers cared as a child, I felt like they were just strict and stern and not uh warm feeling like a teacher that just wants to have fun with you and stuff. But now as an adult, I see it was about structure. Yeah. So when you move up in the grade, you know how to have that self-discipline and how to carry yourself. Um, and, and that school was predominantly black, right? Yeah. And then when we moved to Baltimore, Maryland, it became more Hispanic and Black. Then when we moved to Florida, after that, it became white, a sprinkle of Black, but Southern Black, which I didn't understand, because um, there was a difference and Hispanic, and and Florida is when I felt the racial difference of how a teacher changed their tone when they talked to you versus Mm. when they talked to a white student or um, a a student because they know their parent. And that's when I became, (laughs) I became the anomaly of a Black girl in that school, in middle school. Because, well, I've never seen a black girl with long hair that's hers and they'll touch it and they'll pull it. Now, I've never been a child that was like, oh, don't touch my hair. My mom never had a conversation with me about if people like your hair, they can give you a compliment, but don't let them touch it. That
0: was never a conversation. So, as when people want, as being a Southern Black, oh, that was definitely a conversation. Listen. Now, so you don't touch nothing on me, much, right? Nothing.
1: But I, <laughs> me coming from up north and having Jamaican parents, that was never a conversation. So, if, if they wanted to touch my hair, I let them touch it. You know, if they wanted to know, you know, what are you eating? I would have that discussion with them, not knowing you don't let somebody come stand in front of you and, and question you about what you're eating. You know, there's 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 boundaries, there's that was never a thing.
0: When did you first watch the color purple?
1: I had to be in high school.
0: I watched the color purple when I was like six, seven, and I watched it <laughs> every other month. It was steady in the VHS. Yeah. And those scenes and what happened in the color purple, my family. It's y'all know it's my favorite movie. It's yeah. instilled in me. Okay. Yeah. And I see it in real life, not only with me, but with other people. And the reason why you don't touch me, like with Miss Sophia, yeah, is that, that that sign of ownership, like we're a pet, yeah. Don't it is such a a, a privileged white perspective, you mm-hmm. know, to feel calm. Like I don't want to touch nobody unless mm-hmm. it's my lady, okay? Mm-hmm. No. The thing is, but the, the the come up to another human being and like, oh, let me pet you, that's how we would treat it. Yeah. And it it's it, it's instilled in me like, once again, and if you don't check it immediately, they'll do it again. That's oh yeah. Thing. And oh, and, yeah. and and it's not only with that, but when we're talking about school, it was also outside of school. It was the whole dynamic I started older. I became like like I went through all these schools. I went to the dynamics when I was transitioning from middle school to high school. I was telling them when I was doing my transcript, I was on top of my stuff. Like, I was, once again, eighth grade, they were like, oh, like, we had, once again, segregated time, we had a white high school, we had a black high school, okay? John Tyler, Robert E. Lee, okay? John Tyler, black. Robert that e. name, black. Robert E. Lee. John Tyler ain't no better. <laughs> That's the thing, they both um Confederate, um generals yeah. at the time, but you don't know better until you really sat down and do the history. I went better. to
1: London B. Johnson middle school.
0: <laughs> like London <laughs> B. Johnson. Okay. Okay. See, but so hey. he but the, my mother went to Robert Lee. My other my aunts and things, they went to M J J. Scott, which was predominantly black, but it was when um segregation ended, they made John Tyler with a predominantly black school and they made Robert e. Lee stupid. It was stupid races. They made Robney e. Lee so they wouldn't have to segregate. Like you wouldn't have to segregate Robert e. Lee too. Stupid. But the thing is, when that happened, um, you know, it was they it was Robney e. Lee. Rebels, they used to come out and pep rallies rallies with the Confederate flag, knowing they playing in the black school for our games. It was a lot of race wars happening. So when I was telling my, I remember being in eighth grade teachers loved me. I went to a school called Hubbard. And when I was transitioned from Hubbard to that is Hubbard such Lee, a
1: uh, island name
0: for me. Man, man. <laughs> man, but but when I tell you the, t- the 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 counselors and my you know student the one that did my um, transcripts and all that, mm. Drake, you're not going to John Tyler. You're coming to Lee. You're not going to leave us like that. And sign me a police after I told them I'm going to John Tyler the black school. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you, was that because term, they felt like you were better than? Yes. That? Okay. Yes, and mm-hmm. when I went to John Tyler, and I'm still the same person. I'm still the still straight A student, still smart ahead. And we would have like you know, math. I was big into algebra, math, geometry. Oh, that was
1: Come members, yeah.
0: And when I we used to be in competitions, mm-hmm. and I just see some of my friends, not only white friends, some of my Indian friends too. Mm-hmm. They would not talk to me. They look legit like I mean, I'm like. What? Wow. And I would then I have to embarrass y'all like I used to do back in, like we were cool and but I'm seeing how that the schools but it's really the segregation and racism I'm looking in it too you know because mm-hmm. that's on the other end but the, I started realizing when I was in high school once again I went to Hubbard I went to predominantly white school very right. preppy bougie I remember they used to have full fight wars. drugs are being sold in the eighth grade all these all this stuff happening. And the same thing was happening at Robert E. Lee. But I started realizing if something happened at my high school, the black high school, y'all put it on the front page. Right. Y'all, I mean, y'all, y'all it, it was so in depth in the media. It was propaganda. And I'm seeing it, but I'm like, y'all are not post. But they have um drug ring found or students. Ran over each other at least, but that's on page eight, section three in the corner. Of this. I page. mean,
1: that's as a parent, that's how I feel about private schools. It's, it's this push of uh, private schools, even, here, but, but private schools, you get kids that are more involved in adult things and exposure to your kids than in the elementary school.
0: And you who usually have access to that
1: wealthier white kids.
0: Okay, and let's say, and, and we if we talk about that full understanding of supporting each other and it's like leaving is and like, I didn't go to a private school, but I would love yeah. to talk to more people that went to a private school and what yeah. was their experience there. I know some people went to private schools they went to public schools, transitioned to that. So yeah. it's always a different feeling for that and what you learn and what you have for being black coming up. But I realized when I go to the grocery store, being walked around the grocery store, being has been um, what you call it, What's the word I'm looking for yeah. when they profile being racially profiled as a child?
1: Mm, I never experienced
0: that. You know, yes, you have. I
1: mean, I don't know. Well, going to the store now.
0: But that's my thing. Because I once again, maybe when you grew up, it was different. Mm-hmm. But growing up in East Texas, these white folks were watching you the whole time when you walked in. And now, well, I don't know, okay. this just clicked to me don't touch nothing, don't look at, does that come from, so you won't be accused of doing, do white folks hear that same thing or other ethnicities? No,
1: but I find myself I find myself doing that with Anya not because I feel like she is, just because I, I want to educate her on the fact that you not doing nothing but having your hands a certain way near your bag because it's already this predisposition of you doing something don't do it like when today we went to the the store she had her toy in her hand and her bag was open and she playing with us i said anya put that in your bag and close it so, went to see, barnes it, and noble put that in your bag and close it
0: but do you understand that is problematic and it is affect it affects us yes like for instance Hiding from the police, I had a fear for the police because I grew up as a little boy hearing about Rodney King. I remember they used to talk about it all the time. On, I didn't learn about that Latin until color. I was in my twenties. It was like we—I used to watch the news with my grandparents and parents. You know? you know what's so
1: crazy? I asked my mom the other day. I said, "Mom,
0: do you remember living in Philly when
1: they bombed that whole street in Philly with all those black people and such?" And so she's like. Hmm. I don't know. I I probably heard something about it. Like there's so many things nonchalantly that I'll bring up in history that have happened in Philadelphia or um in 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 Maryland that my mom was like hmm, I don't but, know.
0: It's- but you kind of said it earlier because you mentioned that your your father Really was in support of, of Black Americans unless they appeared to have a white gaze, to so a sense, or support because he of
1: also had this predisposition that Black Americans were lazy.
0: Yeah. So, and you, where did he get it from?
1: From probably the
0: white. The, uh, same thing. If if people have, once again, that's why we do everything culture. I've had people come into spaces and have these predispositions or prejudice views of us and never sat down and talked to none of us. Mm-hmm. Where do you get it from, dude? Propaganda? Mm-hmm. Like, it's been like since I remember the world, what uh, oh, do you call it? I don't know the war that the Americans lost, but when they lost Vietnam, um, the Viet Cong, whatever they want to say, but they <laughs> put out this information about us and saying what we are and what we're not. Instead, that's why we have to get to know each other so we can love one another. Yeah. I can't continue. I can't judge Jamaican people what a, a white person has said. Why don't I go talk to one of myself? Mm-hmm. So, and with your mother, she you expressed that she has a passive mindset. Mm-hmm. It may not mm-hmm. once again shout out one of my one of my favorite movies, but one of my favorite lines: Doughboy, Ice Cube, Boys in the Hood." Either they don't know don't show or don't care.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's very impactful with that. You know, my like once again, that goes back to education. You know, you gotta start educating and being aware and being active in your community and active in your I don't know, man, society. Because if something happened to a black person, I don't care if they was across the world, mm-hmm. my grandparents is like, you need to pay attention to it. You need to, we, it was like before Lisa, Issa Ray said, I'm rooting for everybody black. Those were my grandparents.
1: See, I never experienced that. There was no conversation of blackness in my house. There was no conversation of, um, today is, you know, the day Jamaica got its independence. Uh, there was no, um, this is tradition that's do X, Y, and Z. It was just like, go outside, um, do your work, come home. The world is this house. The world is when I go with you and drop you off at church and we come back and we have Sunday dinner and then we do the same thing Monday through Friday. Um, You know, your bedtime is seven o'clock. It was very like, there is nothing else going on. It's a figment of your imagination. Just do what we tell you. And then when I got exposed to that shift of you you think your parents know everything they're geniuses they're so smart every time you ask them a question they have an answer and then I started seeing the fact that I had questions my mom didn't have any more answers and that was a point of me having to educate myself and also teach my mom what I learned because she did not know um and after I want to say after fifth grade that became a thing well, that's how you did it in Jamaica. Well, this is how my teachers tell me to do it. She was like, "Well, we didn't have to do no math with letters in it, so you need to ask your brothers because I can't help you." Mm-hmm. And um, from there, it had it was like, "Chantal, you go to school, you do your work. You want to know how to do it? Make sure you ask your teacher before you come home. If you don't mm-hmm. know it, I'll um, get you a tutor and I'll pay them to teach you. But I can't help you." What well, my mom did excel in it was English. Um, my mom skipped a lot of her grades. Um, in Jamaica, she tested out. In Jamaica, they don't hold kids back by their age. It's more about your knowledge. Um, you have the knowledge of it, they move you up. Um, so English wise, in the bag. History wise, in the bag. Um, writing, grammar, in the bag. Math, my mom was like, I can't help you. <laughs> so, um. A lot of how I grew up, um, I became the person over Sean's hall very early, which um, backfires in a lot of ways because I feel like I got to figure out how to do it myself all the time when in reality, I don't. Um, but growing up as a child in America, having two Caribbean parents and more times than not having my mom be my go-to for elementary school, middle school, high school, college, my friends, the people I met, the people I work with, um, and learning, you know, they talk to you this way because of this. They're going to treat you this way because of that. By default, as a as a mom, I teach my kids both ways. I teach them what my experience was. I teach them why I do things this way. And I teach them how to properly talk to people. And if this ever happens to you, this is what you do.
0: Um, I'm just not thinking about something. Um, Like, you know, coming where I come from, um, I have close friends who are white. But my close friends who are white came Either during college or after college.
1: Not high right? school.
0: Not high school. Middle I school. I have white friends elementary. in high school, like that you're still friends with today. Yeah,
1: it's on I my Instagram right now.
0: <laughs> I take that back. I take that back. Some people that we were not as close as we were when we were young, but we're mm-hmm. cool now. But they and the reason I say this because some that I were was cool and I would like to be friends with them, but they have very bigoted and ignorant mindsets and i cannot entertain that and it's not only with the white ones but it was some of the black ones too you know
1: i i, I experienced that in florida and i have friends who have that whole confederate t-shirt yeah. confederate flag See, on my
0: truck and the but, thing you say you say florida but you was in florida for a short period of time i was
1: in florida for five years
0: yeah yeah I was in Texas for 30, (laughs) what, 32, 33 years, Mm -hmm. you know? So, thinking Mm -hmm. like that's the thing you got to think about. Your experience of college, I would say, being one of the wildest states in the US, Florida, number one, Texas, right, number two. I don't care what people say. I'm from Texas. I'm a Texas born and raised, you know? And that's the same being born black in Texas. We're taught, once again, being taught. Remember the Alamo. You know, support all these things. Not, not until like three years ago, I realized the Alamo was fought by Mexico to free the slaves.
1: The way, the way we have to unlearn the shit we were taught to as kids.
0: No, don't, don't apologize. unlearn it. Remember it. Well, not what you mean. I know yeah, what you mean. Yeah, not
1: forget it, but just really
0: find out the truth. Ooh.
1: Ooh. like it's it's like
0: man and, and we're gonna talk a about education in this series but it is it's a lot that is growing up it's like, like you've grown up with a bunch of lies being told to us growing up being told like like first we have two different perspectives and i'm like i'm glad you're sharing with us but for the people who grew up in like that what are some things that you were told as a child that had to deal with race you know had to deal with did you ever have you know i hear about the talk and i hear people did not hear the talk and i'm like no nah, that talk has to be. i was saying having a conversation with my friends recently when you're giving your kid you know your nephew's nieces that talk today she's like they're their parents and i give it to them and yeah. i could talk right. about even the disappointed disappointments i saw in my own community too where we where i had teachers or uh like i talk. i had a speech impediment i can't say anything i've when i had a speech impediment and i was going i used to stutter and I couldn't pronounce my R's correctly. I was Dwake. That's how I was talking,
1: okay?
0: But when I went to a my black school, this is the truth. We got we're talking, we've been honest and transparent here, right? Um man, that that facilitator, that educator, or that person, that specialist would bring me in like another boy. Into this room, and she'll pick up a magazine and put Legos in front of us and let us play and chill that whole time.
1: Whereas I had that same thing where I would go to speech from third grade all the way up to seventh grade in middle school because my mom would send me to Jamaica to visit so much that the way that my family spoke, Mm. I would write that way, or some words I would mix up with the English language. And my teachers were like, no, she's not getting it. It's not clicking. And they, it was basically an unlearning every day until seventh grade of that is separate from this. You don't write like that, even though your family says it like this. Um, and and it, it was books. We were actually doing the work. We weren't sitting there and playing. But I have seen people who are supposed to be helping Black kids with what their skills to build it up that just make them yeah. frolic as of like it's okay whatever
0: Like they'll, gr- they'll grow out of it so this was like from kindergarten and first grade okay
1: mm-hmm. no this
0: is though no, this is first and second grade transition to the predominantly white school this white woman specialist especially i see all time for speech i'm like okay my mother put me in I'm thinking where the Legos at, you know, where the, yeah. where the Legos and shit, you know, so I'm like, sorry, Legos. <laughs> and she was like, no, we're going to work on, you know, rolling my tongue,
1: you know, yeah. like, she
0: really said that, I'm like, I got the, the the help I needed from a white woman, a white facility, you know, a different type of education program, you know. So, I'm not gonna say everything was bad the experiences, but you know it was discrimination and like aggression, but can we have one without the other? You know that's my thing
1: it's um,
0: it absolutely is possible, and that's what mm-hmm. we're gonna continue to strive for as far as to have other effective let's get in conversations So what we're doing right here, sharing ourselves and sharing the history of um being black in America hmm it's going to be helpful for others to see that, so if you're doing good work, understand it. um once again, we grew up in two different ways and understand, and also have the understanding like when I had my peers and friends, and it's not to dismiss everyone because we have grace for one another, but mm-hmm. once again, the pillars respect, communication and consistency. We can have that. we can have a lot more growth, a lot of, mm-hmm. I would say positive pivoting. So when you do what we're doing right here, we're going to see a lot more.
1: And I will say this. If your parents were from a different country and they were raising you in America and you were born in America and they were older, that's like a double whammy of a halt of what you were taught in your household versus the world that you live in. Because a lot of Caribbean older parents do not want to unlearn, do not want to learn anything new
0: it's a lot of it's a lot of southern racist white folks that don't want to learn either yeah that's what we're having critical race theory removing educate the truth Well, they don't want what we're doing right here
1: yeah they don't want to have these talks and that's why i did the series because when you have talks like this or when you overhear talks like this you begin to understand your neighbor you know
0: what i'm saying you care about them
1: yeah but it's another one y'all It's another one in the bag um, to gain understanding and understand where we come from and um, what we're exposed to and finding understanding. You can be different, but you can also understand where someone else is coming from. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have any questions, don't forget to drop them in the comments. Uh, Please leave a review please review under she gets a pod under everything culture. Please check out his podcast on his own podcast platform. We are on TikTok and we are on IG, Twitter, wherever you see us, let us know that you're listening to the show.
0: Yes, please. All right. And as always, you know, we got to remember the mission statement for everything culture while we do is collab. Let's go.
1: Let's go. Let's go.
0: Is that From the words of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., he believed that men hate each other because they fear each other, they fear each other because they don't know each other and they don't know each other because of segregation. And because of segregation, we have miscommunication. So our goal is to have more conversations so we can get to know each other based on the pillars of respect, communication, and consistency. So let's do that. Let's get to know one another. Thank you again, Shan. It's always a pleasure. Um, pod fam in the business so i want to say love y'all again and peace peace